our, our bishop called this year, uh, year 23, to be the, the year of baptism. Um, and so we're essentially focusing on the sacrament of baptism, trying to understand what that means, and specifically the identity and the call that comes from baptism. And then lastly, we actually have uh, the reading of the baptism of Jesus Christ, where we can see clearly he is, his identity is named, right? John the Baptist points at him and says, behold the Lamb of God. And then also, it's not in this exact account, but in, in the other accounts of the baptism of the Lord, uh, you have the heavens open up and the Father, uh, Father's voice proclaimed, this is my beloved son, right? The statement of his baptism, or the, sorry, the statement of his identity. And obviously, Jesus' baptism didn't change who he was. He was always the Son of God. He was always the Lamb of God. There's no change there. But there is this really abrupt change in how he lives. Up until that point, he was basically just a carpenter from Nazareth. He lived his life in a very mundane way. He gets baptized, and the, the Greek in the scriptures literally says he was thrown into the desert by the Holy Spirit. Right? I almost think of like a giant dove up in heaven, like just picking him up. Have you ever played those games where you can pick up the little stick figures and just like toss them? <laughs> Someone's like that, right? Like he's thrown into the, into the desert and he starts fasting 40 days, battling with the devil. And then after that, he starts preaching immediately. His life is utterly changed there. The concept that's kind of laid out within all of this is that who we are should define how we act. Therefore, it's important to sit down and ask ourselves, well, who are we? You can, you can make all sorts of statements about who you are, like, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm all these different things. But ultimately, what it comes down to is who are you to say who you are. Like, did you make yourself? Then why do you get to say who you are? I mean, to be honest, I'm not very good at controlling myself. So if I can't even control myself, I think it's even less likely that I should be the one defining who I am. There's really only one person, well, three persons, I suppose, that can define who you are. It's, it's he who made you. Right? If you create something, you get to name it. You get to say what it is. If Ford made a car, they get to call the car whatever they feel like, because they created it. They get to define what it is. And so in the same way, what happens is in baptism, God redefines you. He looks at you and he says, you are my beloved son. The Holy Spirit descends upon you, saying, all right, your purpose now is to be holy, like God. And you're actually an instrument for the salvation of the world, much like John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, behold the Lamb of God. And this identity needs to be something that doesn't just change based on where we are or who we're surrounded by. It should permeate everything we are. There's a lot of heady stuff, so I'm going to get, get kind of concrete real quick. Right? As we're sitting here listening to this, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, Father, like this whole identity thing and like having to live for my identity, this just sounds, sounds kind of 
phony or it sounds almost like a little bit extreme, but this is how all human beings work. It's almost, you can see it very clearly um, in, in high school, right? The, the football players that made their identity, I'm a football player, you totally knew who they were, right? You could identify them. They would like be all pumped up on, on a game day. They'd walk around with, in a football, with a football in their hand, like, yeah, 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 right? Um, you can see it on, on campus. You know who's in the band, right? They're always walking around with an instrument. They like live band life, especially that first semester. Uh, same thing with the, the people who are ROTC, right? the, the military people. You know who they are. Or another one is um, forestry, right? You see a forestry student, <laughs> everybody knows it's like you're forestry. Right, you have athletes. All right, I'm gonna pick on her right now. Sorry, Ari. Yeah. You know that Ariana is a volleyball player, right? It's, she's not obnoxious about it. She, it's not like she's walking around telling everybody, oh my gosh, I'm a volleyball player. You just know, if you look at her, you're like, oh, okay, she's a volleyball player. Because that is part of her identity and it just automatically overflows into the entirety of her life. And so for us, if we have been baptized and our fundamental identity is that we are sons and daughters of God, then we should be like unto God. People should be able to look at us and see the holiness in what we are and what we do. St. Jose Maria Escriba is a, is a saint from the 20th century. Um, and he is kind of the guy that most clearly developed how to be holy if you're not a priest or a religious, right? Because everybody's kind of like, okay, I get it. Like, if you're, if you're a nun, I get how you do the holy thing. If you're a priest, I get how you do the holy thing. But, like, if I'm sitting in the pew, how do I, how do I be holy? And he laid it out in pretty simple terms. Kind of at the top level, there are three things that you need to do. First off, don't sin. That's the first thing. Work not to sin. So wherever there's sin in your life, fight against that. The second thing, develop a life of prayer in the sacraments. If you're not praying, if you're not regularly attending the sacraments, do that. And then the third thing, and this is what I want to focus on, is sanctify your daily life. Right? So what does that actually mean? Because, you know, not sinning, is, is something that, you know, it, it's, it's not doing something. And then praying in sacraments, like, okay, I can spend a decent amount of time during the day doing that, but, but if you're a lay person, like, you gotta go to work, you gotta go to school, you gotta do all these other things. And so, does holiness only exist in the prayer time, or does it also exist throughout your entire life? Is your identity only true in prayer, but not in the rest of your life? No. It should permeate everything you do. So he talks about sanctifying your, your daily work in, in three ways. He says that your work, or you can apply school on this too, should, we should sanctify it, we should be sanctified, and then we should sanctify through it. Sanctify it, be sanctified, sanctify through it. First one, you should sanctify your work. If your work is work, then that means it kind of stinks. 
right? Like, going to school is not something that's supposed to be terribly enjoyable. If that was the case, everybody would do it. Same thing with work. If you absolutely love your work and you would do it for free, don't tell your boss because he's going to stop paying you. Right? We, we pay people to go to work because they won't want to do that, at least not in that quantity, without getting paid. And so there is something difficult about this. It's, it's laborious. It's actually a sacrifice. Right? When we go to work, we sacrifice our time, energy, attention so that we can get something else and we have paycheck. In the same way, even in school, it's hard. And so we can, we can choose to offer that up as a sacrifice. One of the things that, there are some, some really practical things you can do, um, some things that I did when I was in school was, uh, first off, I decided, you know, most of my time in school, I'm sitting in class. And there's a professor up there who is trying, more or less, to teach us. And it seems that most people aren't paying attention. And so I made a sacrifice that I was going to at least look like I was paying attention in class throughout the entire class. And realistically, that was like <laughs> one of the biggest battlefields of sanctification that I had. Like, think about those last five, ten minutes of class with your most boring professor. And having to sit there upright, looking at him without the angry face on, typing. It requires immense sacrifice, immense self-discipline to do that every single day, all semester long. You can sanctify going to class. In the same way, uh, you can set up your desk, wherever it is that you study, set it up like a, an altar. You don't have to put the candles. If you want the candles, you <laughs> Don't tell them. I said they have them. It's okay. Um, <laughs> right? Put, a, put, put some sacred images, crucifix in the middle, and it becomes the altar that you sacrifice that work on. You can do the same thing at work, wherever it is that you work. Set up your, your desk like an altar. Think of it in that way. I'm here to sanctify what I am doing. You may just be running numbers. You may just be typing into a computer. You may be doing whatever it is that you do for work. But every single one of those actions can be something that is actually a, a pleasing sacrifice to God. Next, be sanctified by your work. So the work itself can also be very sanctifying. We talked about this is a painful thing, right? Going to school, doing this well requires a lot of virtue. It requires a lot of discipline. It requires humility also. So when you when you go to class, do you go to class and assume you know what's going to be like, oh yeah, I already know all this. Or not. Because if you're going to learn well, you need to show up to class assuming that you don't know what's about to be said so that you're actually open to receive what's going to be taught. It requires humility, self-discipline, to, to pay attention to study, to read the book and actually pay attention while you're reading as opposed to just dragging your eyes across the page. There's a great value in, in, in work and in school that actually makes us more virtuous human beings. 
walked into it, we can think not only what's the output that I'm going to do in work or what's the, the, the stuff that I'm going to learn, but actually how is today's work, how is today's school going to make me a more virtuous human being? And then the third, to sanctify by our work or through our work. So there's an interesting thing that happens that whenever, some, whenever somebody is good at their job and they're not cocky about that, everybody kind of starts to like them, right? Everybody that works with you, if you're in a class with someone who very clearly gets the material, is not a jerk about it, like they're still friendly human beings, they ask intelligent questions, they challenge the teacher to teach things more clearly whenever nobody gets it, but everybody else is afraid to raise their hand and say that didn't make any sense. Really, by the end of the semester, you have a kind of affection for that person in the class, right? You kind of like them. And the same thing in work. If you know somebody that's, that's really great at their job, they're not cocky about it. They just do their job well. They're humble. They're friendly. They help out whenever somebody else needs help. They answer questions, they ask intelligent questions. Everybody begins to really admire and respect that person. Essentially, they, they trust the person. And when people begin to trust you, it means you can begin to influence them. They begin asking you more and more questions. They want to get to know you as a person. And at that moment, you can begin to open up to them about what makes you tick. Why is it that you're humble in your work? Why is it that you actually pay attention all class long? Why is it that you are disciplined whenever you sit down to read and to study? And we can begin to say, like, well, actually, I see this as an opportunity to be holier, to be more virtuous. I see this as an opportunity to offer a sacrifice to God. And for most people, they're going to be kind of blown away. They're like, wait, what? Like God enters into this part of the world? And you can actually sanctify them in and through your work. So, to, to step back and look at this one more time, how is it that a lay person lives from their identity to truly be holy? First, don't sin. Second, prayer and sacraments. Third, sanctify your entire life. You do that by sanctifying your work, offering up of love for God, being sanctified by it, allowing it to build up virtue within you, and then third, sanctifying through it, allowing your own excellence in what you do to give you an opportunity to influence people 